What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. If this is your first time to the podcast, all you need to do is sit back, relax, listen, and enjoy. And hey, thank you for joining. Also, please go check out John Croom Cycling dot com and check out our merch we got coffee mugs we got socks we got stickers we got all kinds of cool shit and hey guess what if you order some socks you might end up with some other cool swag in your order for all i care because like i said you guys ordering this stuff is just super cool to me and i don't understand why you guys support me but i'm so so thankful because i really really love what i do and i want to keep growing this podcast so anything that you put into this podcast goes straight back into the podcast also be sure to go check out the out of bounds collective um there's a few podcasts on there where you got the out of bounds podcast you also have the pursuit and one of my favorite is big stick energy it's two two females that run that podcast and they are badasses and so yeah so go check that out um all you have to do is go to the link down in the description below to check out the out of bounds collective but other than that let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode and it is with brian larson um Man, this guy's an inspiration, and I kind of dive into it a little bit early into the podcast, but we kind of crossed paths a few times, and uh, with track cycling and cycling, he was, I would say, a professional athlete. Yeah, like he raced at the highest level. Um, He might not have gotten paid or was on a professional team. Even that, I'm not even fully sure. But but yeah, we we crossed paths. We we did nationals together. Um, I saw him a few times, and... Yeah, long story short, he had an awful accident. And uh, obviously, in the sport of cycling, it's it's really odd. Like you don't necessarily you don't necessarily know these people fully because it's a small world. But you can really vibe with somebody when they get injured because that could happen to any of us. I mean, he was just at a crit, just like anybody else was. And uh, yeah, he was in the ICU. Long story short, he ended up you know getting paralyzed on in, in his arm, I believe on his left side and uh yeah it has kind of changed the course of his cycling career massively but like i said he's an inspiration and he kind of made a positive out of a negative and uh yeah we sit down and we chat about what that was like to go through that mentally as an athlete and uh kind of what he's up to now um how he's kind of handling that you've guys have probably also heard of him before because he does some ride breakdowns with the norcal cyclist um you know, Jeff over there. And, uh, yeah, so we, we sit down with him, we break down some riding and honestly, we just shoot the shit and drink some coffee and hang out. And it's a, it's a blast. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. But first let's hear a quick message from the sponsors back for another episode is spot guys. Spot covers your medical bills up to $20,000. Each time you get injured spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee in a world where many people are under or uninsured with sky high deductibles spot fills that gap that is sorely lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductible and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works whether you have health insurance or not while spot works with and covers a lot of cyclists and mountain bikers spot policies cover you 24 7 worldwide whether you're ripping a crit skiing a black diamond chopping up food in your kitchen or climbing mount everest all you have to do is go to kroom.getspot.com to get your quote today that's kroom.getspot.com um yeah it's it's literally twenty thousand dollars if you find yourself getting injured and if you're an adventurer like me that is something you definitely need so go check them out at kroom.getspot.com new podcast sponsor is the feed Thefeed.com. Yes, you guys have probably heard of thefeed.com uh, from watching the Tour de France. They were all over the uh, the internet. And honestly, this is one of those this is one of those companies that why haven't we thought about this sooner? I think of it as the Amazon of sports nutrition, the Am- the Amazon of sports recovery products. I mean, they got coffee, they got granola, they got sports nutrition, and you literally can buy one gel at a time if you really want to. But anyways, the feed is giving all of my podcast listeners. $15. So they're giving you a $15 credit. All you have to do is go to the link in the description below. Um, it's a super long link. That's why I'm not going to say it now. So go down in the description below and uh, you type in your phone number and yeah, you get a one-time free $15 to use on an order of a minimum of $35. So all you have to do is spend 20 bucks. And uh, yeah, I, I want to say it's free shipping. So don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure it's free shipping. So good Check them out at thefeed.com. Use the link in the description below to get your $15. 
Also back for another episode is Zellpro. Guys, if you have a bike rack and you have a bike that you put on it and you want to keep it clean, go check out Zillpro.com. They have a bike cover that covers your bike on pretty much any rack for the back of your car. That's even the ones for your roof as well. Um, yeah, so check them out at Zillpro.com. I use them because I travel literally across the country and here in a few weeks I'm literally driving, I think it's like 1,700 miles to South Carolina. So the amount of weather I'm going to experience in that in that run with three different bikes on the back of my car, uh, I definitely want them covered. So go check them out at Zillpro.com. That's Zillpro.com. All right, guys, that's enough for the sponsorships. Let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. I'm sitting here with Brian Larson, who who honestly has a kind of crazy story. Um, you know, I met him just kind of in passing, I would say, wouldn't you say? It's like more or less in passing. Like we never really... Yeah, it's like track. I mean, it's like everybody sees each other on the infield yeah. and knows who it's, everyone is and it's, it's knows their small, names. Small world, but... Um, it's it's a small world on the track and and things like that. Like when nationals happens, you, you, there's just like random people that come out of the woodwork and road guys that come try to race the track and um you know a little bit of anybody and everybody. And that's kind of how we met each other. It's like I was that track guy. He was kind of a bit more of a road guy who came to the who had a track pedigree and a track background. And uh, yeah, we just crossed paths. But um, years and years went on. And years and years went by. We would keep crossing paths. We'd say hey to each other. We knew each other. Um, and then you had this awful accident and it's crazy because, um, you know, the cycling world is so small. Um, and you, you, it's, it's weird because you might not actually like know that person very, very well. Like, it's not like I'm calling you up every day and I'm saying, Hey Brian, how you doing buddy? But (laughs) I felt it when you crashed and when I heard about it and you were in the hospital and I think it's, I think it's a little bit more, um, I don't know how, how to how to put this into words, but I guess it's a little bit more like it makes us a little bit more vulnerable because it could easily happen to any one of us, um, and we could have easily gone to that same exact race and done the same exact thing and ended up in the same uh, in the same way. And it's kind of like that Andrew Bernstein, you know, like um, mm-hmm. who who was hit by a car um, in Boulder. Um, you know, fuck, that's an hour and a half away from me, and he got hit and ran, and now he's. I think his whole right side or left side is paralyzed and like he's fucked. <laughs> yeah. And the guy ended up with like two years in jail, but yours is more of a, a crit race. Um, but anyways, let's dive in. Like before we get too into the story, cause that's the meat and the potatoes of this whole podcast. Tell me a bit about you, man. Like, so, like I said, I don't really know you still, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, think about yeah. that, right? Like yeah, yeah. you don't really know me either, but we know each other well enough to sit. If we saw each other, it, it wouldn't be like that Facebook friend that you're like, oh yeah, we're Facebook friends. I wouldn't say, hey, but we're still Facebook <laughs> friends. Like I would, I would think of us as friends. Like if I saw you at an event, I would say, hey, Ryan, what's going on, man? And we'd catch up, we'd move on, we'd race and we'd go on with life. So tell me a bit about you. Like, tell me a bit about where you find yourself into cycling and how, yeah, how did you end up here? I guess more or less. Let's hear the story. Yeah. I think it, it I think it's actually kind of appropriate that you put it that way. Cause I, I would actually like equate this to like, Hey, we're meeting up at a coffee shop and let's just shoot the shit. So yeah, I got yeah. my coffee. I got you, you got your coffee. Heck yeah, dude. And let's, let's just chat. So, um, I've been, I've been around the block and I think I told you this, you know, I, I'm, I'm younger than I look. Um, so well, how I'm, old are you? Let's start there. I'm 30, I'm 32, 32. Okay. So you're not even a master's rider. No, not yet. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you want to put that. (laughs) (laughs) I swear I would never do masters. And as I got closer, I was like, Ooh, those world records and those national records, those look like inviting. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) but, um, no, so I, you know, I started racing, um, and, and maybe this is what drew me to you actually in your story. Um, I was, and, and, Sorry if I'm putting you on the spot here as well. No but, um, I was the overweight kid. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like the reason I started riding a bike was I was laying in bed one day and I looked down and I couldn't see my toes. And I was Jesus. like, the next day I went and I asked my mom if I could ride her old like 10 speed after school or something. And I just started riding and I just started riding. I would do this like two mile loop and I would just do as many as I could. And then, you yeah. know, I just started like chipping away at the, you know, at that. And then, you know, started racing 
just through kind of like like everyone a friend of a friend of a friend knows someone who races and you know that kind of unwinds into junior racing and i would say you know my overweight path into um racing was kind of like the the, the telling sign of what my talent was which was close to nothing <laughs> so i yeah. am not a talented person i yeah. am just kind of like a brute force kind of individual dude i know that feeling my friend i know that feeling. <laughs> yeah and so i always felt like i was the guy who was uh getting dropped on like every climb and not because of my weight but because i knew i had to catch up i learned to like descend super fast and i learned yeah. how to take risks and i learned how to go suit you know just be a little bit more savvy and efficient make, yeah make that's what we for us idiots we call that efficiency most people call that stupid so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i was you know how, how can i go faster you know with junior gears and all this but you know i like you mentioned i have a little bit of a, a track background but in all my intros into track it kind of came from the road so i yeah, was yeah. a junior pursuit national champion with on my first time on the track you know Jeez, kind of yeah. thing so but you know, it comes with an asterisk, you know, I'm the same racing age as Taylor Finney. So yeah. Finney was at worlds or the Olympics or something when I was at national. So it was like, yeah. Uh, okay. But dude, trust me, I have a lot of those technicality <laughs> national championships, like <laughs> Gavin Hoover and Ashton Lambie, like they decided not to race at nationals this year and boom, I'm five national championships deep, bro. <laughs> like, and yeah. so, but Hey, you can't control who shows up. So fuck no. that. You're a national no. champion. Yeah. In my book. Yeah. No asterisk. <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I, I had kind of two paths and two opportunities, you know, when I was younger and I chose to go to school. Um, I got an engineering degree, um, from UC Irvine and all the while, you know, racing and, and kind of, uh, doing my part there and doing the collegiate scene. And I would say, you know, being very competitive, like elite, you know, SoCal style, you know, Justin Which and is, I have raced together for 18 or since we were like 16 years old. So that's like, pretty legit though. Like, I mean, yeah. SoCal racing, it's kind of like Colorado racing, like Colorado road racing and, mm -hmm. and mountain biking, even like, it's just a different beast. Like they should have categories of their own, especially yeah. in the, like I'm, I'm dead ass. Like I, like, I think it's funny to me, like how, you know, in, um, in California, you guys have like two individual championships, like state championships, like you have a NorCal yeah, and a SoCal. It's so weird. But the thing is, is if you guys had one, like you would have like 800, you'd have to have qualifiers. Yeah. And I actually like always thought that they should have done something like that. They like, should have had like a really cool heat system where like each state, you know, selects their riders that go to nationals. But now it's like, dude, Colorado and California would be the only ones that ever won a national championship. I disagree with that. And we'll, we'll dive into that here in a second because, <laughs> because like it's dude, fuck Lambie's from Nebraska. Bro. That's true. That's like, true. it's, you never know what, you know, crazy man, you're going to bring out of the woodwork. Um, and, and so, and I mean, with Pennsylvania too, on the track, like you, I mean, with yeah, your body, they, like you can yeah, just get on the yeah, list, yeah. bro, you know? And so, but like when it comes to like road racing and crit racing, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> then again, a lot of the people here in Colorado aren't actually from Colorado. Like they're from other places, but they come here to train in Colorado. So it's yeah, just like, a, it's like true. a, it's our European melt. It's like our Mallorca. You know what I mean? In some regard, <laughs> everyone knows to go to Colorado. If you want to be yeah, a good cyclist, Colorado, right? so. Arizona, California, that's like and maybe utah and but and, past and that all of them you do a little road you know you do a little road yeah. trip between all of them <laughs> yeah like dude i mean there's probably people gonna be listening to this on the way down to valley of the sun you know what exactly. i mean oh, like, that's right. exactly exactly there you go yeah yeah so you know i did the the socal you know crit and valley of the sun and all that fun yeah. stuff and then and then you know my year after um uh my year after college i decided hey i'm gonna go race in europe race for like an elite domestic team out of holland for i don't know three four months uh lived the life you know like rented a room rode for an all dutch team like tried to learn dutch which i was terrible at yeah, yeah. um they and, didn't have duolingo back then did they no this was like 
maybe smartphone era. Like I was yeah. still on the wired SRM. Like oh, shit. for sure. So <laughs> you must have been a little rich kid, dude. And you had the SRM. No, I uh, funny story. <laughs> I uh I, I didn't buy groceries for two months when I was in college just to buy that and, SRM? Just, and just ate rice. I'm not even exaggerating. I literally ate rice and beans and Taco Bell hot sauce packets so oh, that I wow. could that's how I learned to drink coffee black, actually, because I didn't want to go buy milk. And so wow. <laughs> I saved up, you know, priorities, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we all have some crazy ass story like that? But yeah, for sure. But I um, so then I, you know, I raced in Europe and then I came back and 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 just kind of had fun with it. Raced, you know, nationally, did a bunch of stuff, you know, all over, um, you know, Gila's and Redlands and, and Cascades. And then I, I got a job in 2016 and and I really just uh kind of stepped back a little bit but what was ironic was I actually got better on the bike when I got a full-time yeah. job and because I started to appreciate riding and and that Rested kind of was where I was bit. you weren't yeah just, yeah I was just surfing I was just kind of surfing like my enjoyment for the bike and that was really um you know, it added a lot of value to the time I did have on the bike. And so when I was on the bike, I was having a good time and I was riding hard. And but every race probably wasn't your end all be all. Like, I mean, when you're exactly. sitting there chasing results, it's like, fuck, you know, if you miss out, it's like, well, there goes my chances at X, Y, and Z, or there goes my chances at blah, blah, blah. And I, and yeah, we can dive into that a little bit later, but I think, I think that a lot of the reason why people do so poorly, um, but are like at that like level, like they're just like kind of, they're at the pro level or elite level, but they're just kind of lull is because mm -hmm. they're like, they're so stressed about this one race. They don't do well. Mm -hmm. And then they, all they can think about is how they didn't do well and how that fucked everything up. And then they go to the next one and they do the same thing because they're stressed. They're just chasing a result and not actually letting it come to them, you know? And it's, it's ironic that you bring all of that up because I think that's really like, Your that's career. my <laughs> well, not my career. Part yes, I was I was a stressed basket case for most of most of my. And that's like, okay, dude. That's okay. And I thought I found. I thought I figured it out. I thought I found that sweet spot. Like yeah, pretty much 2019. Um, right before my accident. In fact, um, I didn't register to race that race that I crashed in, which was the San Rafael crit. I didn't register the race until like the night before the morning of i was like hey you know i'm gonna go out there and i literally was like i'm gonna register if there's a spot left if there's not no big deal and i'm just gonna go have fun and yeah. and i wasn't in that like oh my gosh what's this result mean you know the break was up the road and i was like oh the race is just unfolding i'm just gonna surf this out and you know fate had a different uh idea i guess for yeah that. and so let's let's start to ease into that mm -hmm. yeah so so you, you decide, so you're chilling at this point. Like you've, at this point, you've kind of had your cycling career. Like mm -hmm. maybe your world tour, your pro ambitions are off the table. Like Correct. the closest thing you're probably going to get to pro at this point is if you sign a super dope domestic elite contract and that has to do like, it could be a Legion thing before Legion was pro con. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Like, Cause California has some crazy ass teams, like with Mike's bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they had the Cal giant stuff back in the day. Um, you know, they used to Mark pro Strava. They used to have a few teams out of there yeah. that like, um, weren't necessarily pro, but might as well be, um, right. kind of like project echelon now. Um, and, and that's so, where I was. And that's where I was. I mean, I yeah, was you were on like that team. Gila, yeah. And I was racing Gila and I was racing Cascade and I raced Redlands. I did all these things. I just, you know, wasn't getting paid for. And it, yeah, but I guess the aspirations were maybe like to win a national championship, like, you know, sneak in there. Right. And yeah, yeah. Fact, in 2016, I got pretty close. I think I got like fourth in the nationals elite road race. Um, wow. And, you know, that was kind of one of those, like, oh, maybe I can still, and that was with a full-time job. And I was like, maybe I can't do this, you know? Yeah, but, but there was a few guys it. like you. There was that guy from Mark Pro Strava on the time trial side of yes. things, Justin, mm -hmm. who was kind of mm -hmm. like that as well. He yeah. was older than you, though. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, I think he was like 35 at that time. <laughs> yeah, so so Ro Rossi and I, yeah, we. I mean, that's like the California club. I'm in NorCal yeah, now, yeah. right? Rossi, um, you had Colin Daw, you had Riker, you had yeah, me, yeah. you had like, you know, it was like this kind of hit squad from all those teams you mentioned. That was, it was really fun, that's for sure. But that, yeah back to what we we're saying yeah you know pro aspirations were we're off the off, table off the table and so so you're entering san rafael with just like hey you know my team's gonna be there 
they're probably going to comp your entry fee. It's right down the road kind of thing. It's like, yeah. and maybe track nationals is a few weeks away or something's mm-hmm. a few weeks away, a few months away. It's like, oh, this would just be a good like kind of opener and whatever else. And so, boom, you register. Now, how do you break this down? Because I don't think I've ever heard the full story mm-hmm. of, and I don't even know if you remember it fully, right? Because it was a pretty bad crash. Um, what What do you remember and what do you recall, I guess, from... Yeah. So it's, it, it was, it was, um, interesting. Um, I remember like real, like a handful of snippets and then in a weird way, certain things came back to me immediately after the crash. And I don't even know how I knew them. So the end of the day, there was a break up the road and I was just surfing with Corey and Justin Williams. I mean, that was kind of what I was, I would say I was decent at. I was a pretty good like lead out poacher. And so I would just, I was just riding it out. You know, I was going to roll into the finish. And then with a couple corners, I think coming into the last lap, um, there was a, a lull and I kind of got swarmed and I didn't panic. I was actually just like accepting that swarm because like I said, I wasn't desperate for a ride or result. There was final five guys up the road or something and um a rider on the inside of me rolled his tubular slash clipped the pedal and took me out at i think my garment said something like 38 miles an hour jesus christ yeah because those crits the the california crits get quick it's just like because they're pretty flat fast and not it was a little downhill too like it was like a a slight downhill and i was on the i was unprotected i was on the outside and he was on Mm. my inside and he went under me and it was so fast that, you know, I don't remember much. Like I don't actually, no, I don't remember anything of this part, Um, but I remember waking up in the hospital and all of that kind of, you know, terribleness. Um, But what was funny was like a couple hours later, one of my buddies uh, came up to me and said, Hey, you know, you were in a crash. He went to the, you know, he was in the race with me. Hey, you know, you got taken out and I knew who crashed. And I went back and watched the GoPro footage and this rider was next to me for like, I mean, we're talking a split second. I have no, talk about peripheral, like attention. And like yeah. my brain chose to like know who that was and like stored that memory yeah. and nothing else from the race. <laughs> so Whoa. it's really, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I crashed basically what happened was I crashed more or less face first. Um, and mm. In the process, my head turned like bent to the left and my shoulder bent down. That's kind of what, how a lot of people like break their collarbones and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I've never knocked on wood. I've never broken my collarbone. And you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, like even in those that, guys, one of those guys, that, no, no broken bones. I broke my nose. So, um, Jeez. no, but what happened was I probably would have been better off if I broke my collarbone. So your collarbones like a bone. Oh, Cause it would have taken the impact. Exactly. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So your collarbone's like a bumper, right? It's meant yeah. to crumble, and mine didn't. And um, what ended up happening was the nerves in my C five, C six vertebrae that go to my arm, more or less, were like pulled out of my spine. Um, and it's a really weird thing. I mean, obviously, you know, I was in all kinds of horrible pain from everything, right? It's yeah, a yeah. bad crash. But what was weird was, you know, they said, okay, well grab my hand was like felt like it was on fire and they said you know grab my hand you know they do the classic like movie scene like grab my fingers you know grab my hand how many fingers am i holding up yeah yeah wiggle my wiggle your toes you know all of this and then like an hour later they said move your arm and i was like no my shoulder is broken my arm's broken and they're like well you know you were able to grab my my hand your fingers work and i was like yeah well this doesn't make sense and it was about the next morning when like kind of started to put two and two together and we basically said well like your bicep like rotator cuff deltoid was like not working and it was the weirdest sensation because like i was sending the signals (laughs) for it to work (laughs) and i'm in a neck brace and i can't see my arm and i'm like what do you mean it's not moving you know you know i'm moving it and so it was this really horrible thing there and it was one of those periods where like i would say like every doctor appointment, you know, I I was in the ICU for, I don't know how many days, but I would, you know, I got out and every doctor appointment for several weeks was just worse than the one before it. It was like, oh, you know, just these things happen in football. Apparently they happen all the time. Um, But they're just these little things called like stingers or burners. And it kind of like semi-paralyzes for like a day. 
or like uh, you know a couple days sure. uh, just let this heal it'll come back and then like a couple weeks later they're like oh you know maybe it's not a, a day's thing maybe it's a week's thing and then it was like months and then it was like this is not get, this is not coming back yeah and the problem with this injury and, and as a whole is that it's um very rare um yeah. so there's not many doctors that that do this and mm. Um, so, or, or like know much about it. So, I mean, we were like going around to, I don't know, countless doctors and asking, the, you know, information about these things. Um, and, you know, I ended up having to actually fly to New York to get surgery in New York city from a doctor there to, to take care of this. Um, and you know, what we, we'll talk about like the recovery from that in a second, but there was this like six month period where I was, you know, in a neck brace, slinged up, can't yeah. move my arm. And what I, what I didn't mention before was about a week. I think it was like the week before my accident. Um, I was becoming like, you know, like you and I, I was like messaging this guy on Instagram. Um, and I was just kind of like asking him about like, you know, what his impairment was. Cause I saw that he was on uh, the national team. He raced against my buddy at elite Nats that year in LA. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, Hey dude, like, don't take this the wrong way. Like you don't, you don't, you know, quote unquote look impaired. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I thought para was like, you're missing a limb. I didn't yeah, yeah. know there was anything else besides that kind of thing. And he told me, oh, I'll have this I was born with this injury called a brachial plexus injury. And I, this is like, talk about foreshadowing. This is like days before my accident. Mm -hmm. And I basically messaged him like, you know, after my accident, I was like, you're not going to, you're not going to believe this dude. Yeah. I have a brachial plexus injury. So, I guess, you know, I guess you and I are teammates now. I don't know. So just fucking jinx yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he, uh, this guy was, uh, it was Chris Murphy. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he's in Colorado. Insanely Springs. strong what a beast man and you know more than a beast he was like an awesome mentor of mine yeah. and in the in the midst of all this chaos you know he was the one who kind of like helped coax me into like this is what you have to think about you know if you want to ride a bike again this is like you know things to consider and all the while was like open for a call anytime and was um connected me with you know some of the para team members um and and directors and things like that and you know he and i kind of became like you know he's he's more sprinter and i'm more like endurance right and so we kind of came to this and said well hey dude like this is really cool like i i, I want to know more about what para is and i know you come from the sprint side but like let's talk about this because i have no interest in ever doing a crit again right yeah yeah and um have you done a crit since then no, nah, I've done like uh, we'll call them like the Alviso like group rides and stuff sometimes like that. those are scarier than crits, bro. I, I I will say that the the thing is is that I I can get myself out of I get you the the dirty situation the, the dirty situation and you kind of know who everybody is like you yeah. know the, the weekly Steve that shows up and you're just like oh yeah. fuck here he is <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah but I mean I was in the midst of all of this I mean I was just I rode the trainer for mm. like a year straight. I didn't go outside. I didn't ride outside um, or anything. I mean, and that was like from someone who rode, I rode the trainer more uh, in 2020, just as like I was starting to ride the trainer right around the pandemic hit. I rode the trainer more in those first like three months of the pandemic than I did in like the 17 years of racing before that. Like I just yeah. was an anti-trainer person. Um, well, you live in California, dude. Yeah, but I, I mean, I grew up in the mountains. I grew up outside of Lake Tahoe and stuff. So okay. I had, we had winter where I grew up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, um, so I got, I, I got connected with this guy, Miss Chris Murphy, and, and we're got out with the para director that, you know, hey, there's this guy who might be eligible for para. He has this other impairment. Um, he's kind of like partially, you know, can't really move his shoulder, um, but he has, racing experience so all he has to do is like learn how to ride a bike with his impairment and i think you know this could be a good opportunity and that kind of brings us to like the chaos that was 2020 for everyone and then slipping into 2021 and there was like so many opportunities where 
I was going to go and get a ride. I was going to ride with the team and ride with the, the para team and do some camps in Colorado and stuff like that. And they kept getting canceled because COVID surges were like right at all of those times. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I, I went, um, and after I was recovering from my, my surgery in, in, in New York, um, I just started, like I said, riding the trainer and just riding like in the track position. And, 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 and then eventually that merged into riding outside on bike paths and stuff. I was like, so scared of cars. Um, and my first group ride back was actually with Iman Lucas. Um, when I was like two days before, uh, para world cup in Belgium last year. So I had okay. done a group ride in 18 months since my accident. And then I was like, you know, I probably need to like, make sure I can still ride with people. And Iman, actually happened to be down the street i got invited to do this world cup in belgium and i was just like bike path smashing with iman for like <laughs> three hours on some canals in yeah in, in, in belgium and i was like oh i still got it like yeah. i still i still have that you know you don't lose you know, once you know how to ride a bike you don't lose it right yeah so. yeah no that's dude that's insane and i mean like it kind of gets me thinking you remember adrian costa yes like I got, was, that was like a year or two before mine. And that was someone who else, like, I was always thinking about when my accident happened. His was way worse than mine. I mean, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's gnarly. Yeah, no, it's, it'd be interesting to kind of figure out, like, what what happened to him. And that actually has me, like, thinking, like, to reach out to him. But yeah, you should talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, like, I think, I think diving into this too a little bit more is just like, you know, I guess my thing is, is like, so what does that mean? Like, are, are you now in, in this para world or are you kind of like still trying to get classified or like what? Yeah. So it's what does this mean? Yeah. So one of the complications with COVID was when I went to the world cup last year, they basically couldn't send enough classifiers to officially like classify me. And what happens with classifications for those who don't know is um, you get nationally classified by your nation and they say, okay, well, we think based on your impairment, you um, are this type of degree of um, impaired and you race with similar impairment um, individuals. And when I went to this UCI World Cup, they didn't have enough classifiers. And so while I was nationally classified, they wouldn't let me, they didn't use, uh, classify me as a UCI, but they let me race. And mm. it was kind of one of these weird things. It's more or less a paper formality from everything I know yeah. um, that I basically have to go in front of someone and say, they go, well, Hey, like pick your arm up, move your arm around and you know, Oh yeah, it doesn't work. Okay you know, here's the stamp on your paperwork kind of yeah. thing. Well, and it's, so, it's gotta be pretty hectic. Cause there's this, uh, there was a blind guy here and, mm -hmm. uh, for the track and he didn't get classified as blind. And so there has to be some sort of, of some technicality because I mean, I've seen this guy walk into a, like, uh, a, you know, I've seen him walk into like benches and shit. And so like, I know he's blind. But like at the same time, even if he wasn't, how do you know that he's not is kind of like, so that think? has me, that has me the most nervous, um, to be honest, because, um, the last, when I spent that, it, okay. So when I spent that year on the trainer, for yeah. example, um, I was learning to compensate using other muscles and, mm -hmm. and things that like, you know, to explain it would be a little challenging. I don't know if I could um, using my pec instead because I don't have a deltoid anymore. Using my pec because I can you know kind of move my arm around, but using my traps and my pecs and things like this. Um, and I have tricep. Tricep works. And so I found ways to like swing my hand into the arrow bars, and I found ways to like hold the arrow bars and ride in on on my bike. And I bet if you and I went out and rode, you probably wouldn't know any better than except maybe if i like tried to switch positions like i went from the hoods to the drops or the drops to the i mean hoods, but i right? bet if i really looked at it though like if i was like really focusing on it and really looking at it yeah tell. it's kind of like chris murphy it's like if chris murphy walked into a room i would never know if right. i really looked at chris murphy i would know like yeah <clears throat> so so mine is like it, it's um 
in a similar way. So like, you know, it's really obvious, for example, if I'm wearing like a tank top or something, because yeah. you can see like my the muscle, the, well, lack thereof, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, if I'm wearing a, a shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a, maybe even like, honestly, a skin suit is like kind of hard. If you know what you're looking for, you would notice, okay, well, but to be honest, I kind of just look like my right side just looks like a normal skinny cyclist. <laughs> you yeah. know, my, if anything, I look like maybe chunky on the other like side. Jake, right? <laughs> you've just been like working out one side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so, you know, I found all these compensation mechanisms and, and, and I'm a little concerned that I like, I feel like I need to like justify my impairment. And that's a little scary um, because I could go to Worlds or a World Cup or something like across the pond and they could say sorry you know hope your flight went well here's your ticket home you're not going to get a race right yeah and that's like that sucks um yeah. and, and you know in fairness the the para team has been really supportive of like trying to find you know opportunities and, and and looking at paperwork and looking at like you know my surgeon's notes and all these things and i mean like pages and pages of documentation to kind of prove okay like i'm not making this up you know yeah but i think i think once they have that dialed yeah once you get it it's a lot easier it's it's yeah. like you get the stamp you kind of just come back every couple of years and they like re make sure you didn't like get better you know yeah. right um but yeah that is like for sure something that's like it's an asterisk and it, it's something that can like it can happen to a lot of different para riders and or like you know i'm a c5 um, which would be, you know, a, the lowest level of impairment. Um, and, you know, there are other people who are like in between classifications and it's the same challenge for them, right? They should be a C3, but the impairment, you know, paperwork doesn't that line up and now they're a C4 and they're racing with people who are way less impaired than they are, right? It's just yeah. a similar, similar challenge, right? No, so. that's, that's wild. And so, and so, yeah, man, like, let's let's kind of dive back a little bit in the sense of um like in the accident mm -hmm. um you know i broke my collarbone so 2019 and i felt like my whole world was crumbling around <laughs> me um yeah so mentally like you had to be pretty fucked up man <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. where like i mean you reached out to me a few times of just like and i reached out to you just like checking in on you saying hey man like hope mm -hmm. all is well and um but yeah, dude, like, again, you know, it's one thing to like, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, you know, when I saw it, like that could have been any of us, Yeah. but it's one thing for it to be us, you know what I mean? And so how did you, how did you come to accept it? And did you even come to accept it? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So uh, with any injury and anyone who's listened to this, who's crashed and gotten themselves hurt and stuff knows that there's like, um, you kind of have to surf the highs and, and, and really just dig down when it's low. Um, no, dude, but you were like, but mine was like a, a deep yeah. low. <laughs> yeah, man. Like you're, you're talking um, about like you're under underground, bro. Like you're yeah. not coming back from that. Like, that's what, that's what I'm trying to put into perspective here. Like, my yeah. collarbone is a plate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's okay. Let's say it's six months and I'm, I'm shooting high here. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, this changed your life. Yeah. I, I was, I was very fortunate that my partner, Ashley was basically like holding my hand the entire way because I don't, I don't think if you go through something like this alone, like, I don't think you come out in a good place. And yeah. she was one of the people who was like, actually like, you know, she actually, I think was the one who maybe messaged something about Murphy being, you know, different stuff with like the para stuff. And like, mm -hmm. she was like looking into that because she knew like, Hey, I'm going to drop like a breadcrumb trail for you to something you love. Because I think I, I called it like life outside the fast lane. So I went from like, I can go 40 miles an hour on my bike to like, I'm, in a neck brace, like literally walking around a mall because I got pneumonia and I was taking such crazy antibiotics. I couldn't go outside into the sun. So I had to go somewhere and like, like, I mean, it was just, it was like, okay. The way I would put it is it was like, everything slowed down, which is bad. But at the same time, when it slowed down, you could really isolate, um, the noise in your life. 
So yeah. it became very clear, like, just focus on like one thing. And so for like a huge part of that was like, get the pain down, right? Like, yeah. okay. Um, whether that was like, you know, some physical therapy or, or just like going to a doctor's appointments, just like every day. Right. Yeah. And, that, and just that routine um, was, was really important. But I would say like the things that like, you know, those kept me from the, from being in a slump was, you know, the routine, but the things that got me out was thinking about the problem solving of like, how do I deal with this um, to begin with? And as long as you, like we talked at the beginning of this, as long as we're not like stressed about the next race or like yeah. when you're getting on the bike next, like for me, it was like, okay, this isn't like a next weekend problem anymore. This is like a, can I get on the bike again ever? And when you remove the time constraint, it actually made it like a really positive journey, which is kind of interesting, right? So like okay. everyone's always stressful. Like they break their collarbone. They think, oh, my season's gone, right? Why not just like assume your season's gone? Like, why don't you just focus on like you getting better, the best you can be. And I bet you that you come back even in that same season better than you were before. And, and quicker. so, yeah, and quicker to be a winner. Because <clears throat> when you... You start like, you know, jumping the gun, you start maybe riding earlier than you should, or these other things. Like, yeah, that's when you run into problems, right? Then you for sure for crash sure. on a collarbone that's not healed or things like that, right? And um or it so gets infected I, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so when I did like nothing, what I did was I used that time. <laughs> I used that time listening to a lot of freaking Dan Bigham podcasts and yeah. and thinking about like track pursuiting and track riding and i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna spend like my time thinking about the things that when i was riding and racing i never thought about i you know like let me understand like what does aerodynamics like what's the impact of aerodynamics in certain scenarios and well and, that and brings you to stuff yeah yeah well that brings you to because like it was like a couple months after your crash and you were doing videos with jeff yeah which yeah. like to me you know, and I love, I love cycling. I think cycling is amazing and I love this sport. Um, but like, I just like, it would be hard for me to just watch these crits online and start depicting people's riding, especially after, after my crash and yeah. whatever else. And even, even, I mean, you know, maybe we're just two different people too, but like, even just like starting to think about para, like, mm -hmm. it's like, well, fuck, like, we're just going to go ahead and go there. Like, I can't come back to this yeah. at all you know and oh yeah, i see what I you're know. saying i see what yeah. you're saying like yeah it's like it, it, it's like like we've already accepted fate. Yeah. yeah 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 you're like okay well cycling's done might as well play basketball now right or something yeah right? you know? kind of um, yeah it's just like we we you you've accepted like i just I, one i i kind of pride you for for how and you know this isn't the outside looking in right like i wasn't at home when you were probably trying to take a shower and you, you <laughs> lift your your arm above your head not because your collarbone was broken just because you can't yeah you know and so like what i'm saying is is that you know with the collarbone thing it's like again i know it's six months yeah and there's like a little bit of like uh okay maybe it's gonna be seven and maybe it'll be four and hey maybe i'll come back there was a moment and this is kind of like at the beginning of the podcast, like you said, you, there was a moment where they're like, oh yeah, you, you should be fine in a day. You should be fine in a week. You should be fine in a few months. Okay. This is weird and rare. We don't know what to tell you. Like, fuck. What, what do you mean? You don't know what to tell me, dude. Like you went to school for eight years and I just paid a couple yeah. hundred grand in hospital bills for you to tell me you don't know what to tell me. I've, I've only cried a few times, uh, in my life. I would say I want those yeah. like not and I, I remember crying. No, <laughs> and I remember I cried when they said um, that this could be a life, a lifetime thing. Um, and I think coming to terms with just like that impairment, I think the only way that like you accept, you said that you said it well, like you accepted fate. Um, the only way I was ever going to overcome it was if I accepted it. So I For went sure. all in on accepting it. And um, no, I knew that I wasn't going to fall back into the same pitfalls of like the wannabe weekend warrior crit racer. And so I was like, you know what? Para has track track has it's, it's much safer. Right. And it's controllable. And I was like, all that I want is I want to be able to still push myself 
in some way, shape or form. And whether that's at five miles an hour or 35 miles an hour, I want to find a way to do it. Well, especially um, in para, right? Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just timed events. So it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. you're really racing yourself and yeah. you're being the best that you can be. And then you get all into all the fun, nerdy shit, like the wheels and the tires and all the yeah. good stuff, like the way the Dan Bigham stuff starts to come into play. But, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's really the best you can be. And it's, it's honestly about you. Like there's no teammates or anything really. I mean, like, obviously there is a team, but when you go out like, and you do a pursuit, it's you. Yeah. And I would say, you know, one of the big things that happened there was the noise was removed. And I like, mm. I use that kind of loosely, right. It's like all of these like little weekend objectives and these, you know, the team drama and all this other stuff, like all of that, like evaporated, like immediately in July, 2019. Right. Because there was just, it, it became only control the things that you can control, which is what everyone says. Yeah. But, but when you're no longer in it, you actually recognize like, dude, I was doing all this shit that didn't help me. Like I was doing these random race group ride things. that was like not constructive, dangerous, like all these things that just like at that time, like, at, like looking on the back end, it was like, why would I do that? That wasn't helpful to, for, for my life or, or training techniques or equipment choice or any of these things where like, you just got like, as competitive racers, you kind of get blind, you know, you get tunnel vision. Yeah. And so I removed all of that noise and it was like really refreshing. And that's where I like refound, like in an odd way, I found that like excitement that I feel like I had when I was like a new racer. And that's kind of how I approach it. It's like, I'm just a new racer. And like, let's just like para like, Hey, yeah, maybe my first race is a world cup in Belgium, which is like pretty daunting and scary and stuff. But like, you know, like, I'm just going to go there and have fun. I'm going to see what it's about. Like, and I feel like I came with like a little bit, um, like a calm mentality. I wasn't stressed. I was like, you know, hanging out with, with people and, and enjoying the time being there riding my bike, which is something I didn't have when I, even when I was, you know, racing around the country and stuff, I always felt so stressed. So it yeah. was nice. No, then, and that's cool, man. And And so now that all being said, like, I guess what's next for Brian? Like, I mean, yeah. again, I think, I think it's really easy for me being the outside looking in and, and, you know, you don't seem like the kind of guy that's just posting your depression all over the internet. Um, I'm assuming that you went through some shit and felt some shit yeah. and, you know, you kind of pushed it on and got over it and made the best out of the worst. Um, and so what's what's next for you dude like what's what's brian's goal for 2023 2024 and on uh the goal is in all my 19 whatever years of racing i've never actually um raced with a national team jersey on my back um my objective is to go to world track championships whether this year or next year for para and to in the next several years be competitive um for medals um yeah. and the endurance events the individual pursuit and they actually are bringing scratch in scratchers yeah so yeah. which is like that's my jam that is yeah. totally my jam so yeah yeah um you know what's next here is like a singular goal right like i said removing the noise like i'll go do other fun rides and attend little things with my buddies and stuff. But there is a singular goal, which is like go fast for 4k and Mm -hmm. that's refreshing. And so that's, that's the next step, right? So I'm going to go down. I have, we're going to do some, some camps in LA. Um, I have family down there. I'll go see family and spend some time turning left down there. Um, and then at Hellier all, all summer long at Hellier, which is, yeah, it's a little bit of a drive for me now, but, um, I, I go there, you know, every, every Wednesday night during the summer, hang out with my friends and, and still riding with, you know, able-bodied riders and try to like, not give myself too many passes. Basically when I get dropped, I kind of want to beat myself up a little bit, but then quickly move on and just accept the learnings. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, there's a bigger goal at hand. Right. Right. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think that's super awesome. Um, and then I guess, you know, to kind of, kind of wrap things up, you know, um, you've listened to the podcast before. Um, we ask everybody this, mm. if you could have one cup of coffee with one individual, who would that individual be? 
and uh, why, dead or alive, and how would you take your coffee? So I got, yeah, I, I probably thought about this question more than <laughs> anything else that we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what, who would I talk to? And, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I've got a lot of awesome resources and people I've got to chat with over 19 years of racing around the world, right? But, you know, I'd say one of my other remaining goals, you asked what's next as a goal for Brian. My goal at some point in time is to have a UCI rule named because I did something and pushed the limits. So <laughs> I would probably seek out one of three people, uh, Graham Obrey, um, Boardman or, um, Dan Bigum to have a chat yeah. and be like, Hey guys, how do I get a UCI rule? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Named by something I'm doing here. You know, how yeah, can I well, push the limits here? <laughs> yeah, really? I mean, it's just like, I mean, damn, I mean, Dan, that is funny that you mentioned that. I never even thought about that. that those three guys have probably written the UCI rule book without even knowing it. Um, so yeah, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, I was, it was funny cause in parallel with all of this accident, I was like doing like I, I printed out the entire UCI rule book, yeah. um, because I have to actually follow like pretty similar UCI rules. Right. So I was like, how do I do this with my arm and my shoulder? And I was like looking into everything from like bracing of my arms and potentially the idea of using like magnets and different things to help yeah. bring my arm into the arm pad and like all sorts of like wild things. And I was like, how can I like, you know, how can I put, you know, kinesiology tape on my shins basically. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, and I find I go somewhere and I'd be like, Oh, I figured it out. And then sure enough, I find out that Dan Bigum has already got slapped on the wrist for doing the exact same thing. And I'm just like, Gah. yeah, and it's <laughs> like, uh, um, I think Jason Makem is definitely on his way. Yes. To, yes, he is. <laughs> to getting a UCI rule of some yeah. sort. I mean, I've seen enough of his arrow bars to be like, oh shit. You know, he's he's on his way of being one of the first para athletes to get a rule made. Um I'm worried about his pads. I was I thought about that too, tapering <laughs> yeah. the pads, and I was like, dude, don't do this too much. I want to do this later. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, it's it's like I think he has like because you know, if you guys don't know Jason Makem, he he does he's a para athlete, he's mm -hmm. missing a leg. Um but yeah, like, I think he is like, he turned his leg into pretty much a fairing. Like, it's, I mean, he's more arrow without, like he's faster without his leg than if he had a leg. Cause yeah, because he turned his leg into like a fucking wing. spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking badass. I mean, the dude is insane. I love the guy yeah. to death cause he's just so intelligent and he's willing to take a risk and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, he's a fucking madman. But, uh, but anyways, Brian, thanks so much for jumping on. And, and guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you go check out Brian um, at his social media down in the description below. He's also done a few videos with uh, NorCal Cyclist uh, Jeff over there. Um, and we'll put some links to some of the videos that he's in on there as well. So you can check some of those out. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, if you're dealing with an injury, dealing with anything, I mean, reach out to Brian. I mean, the guy's been through it. Um, he's seen it. He's felt it and he's going through it. And like I said, I, again, you know, I'm an honest guy. I'm straightforward. I don't know if, you know, he's been putting on this makeup and this mask this whole time, but it's actually, <laughs> it's actually an inspiration to kind of see how he's handling this whole situation. And yeah, it's been what, three years at this point, two years at this point. Yeah. It's um, flying by. Yeah. 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 But like, I mean, in reality, like I said, when I broke my collarbone, I was a basket case. So I just, yeah, I can only imagine what that was like to go through that. So thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks so much for being vulnerable. And guys, um, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Yeah.